I just was like, you know, pushing everyone over in order to hit the goal. And Mm -hmm. so to check in on those goals and ask if they're serving you and to allow yourself some grace and spaciousness, because it is a learned behavior to, um, I like to say it's like we're addicted to the struggle. We get addicted to things being hard or having to work hard. It's it's really yeah, the hustle, ooh, the struggle. Yeah, sure. so it's really foreign for us to sit back and say, "How do I make this easy?" You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio. We are so excited. Hashtag any a new year is continuing as promised. And this week we are welcoming back our girl, Brianna Firestone, known as Brie in this podcast space. And she is the founder of the School of Betty, which is an incredible platform that empowers women like you to create better relationships with their money and their time and their energy so that they can build financial freedom and really lessen stress. And I just love her approach. You guys are going to listen to me gush all over her during this episode, but um, it's been so fun to have her back on to have this really dedicated focus into how our money mindset relates to our Enneagram type and those core fears and core desires that we all have within our core type. And so it was an incredible conversation. It was so robust. It lasted enough for um, two parts. And so we have broken it up into two episodes for you guys. So this week and next week, we will kind of put a bow on the whole money mindset and the Enneagram connection. You guys are going to love these episodes. They are a really good deep dive into Basically, you know, what our money mindset is, what some, uh, you know, gifts we might have within our type for, for our money mindset, and then some challenges that we might experience, and then some places where we can kind of improve our mindset and grow, and, and then some mantras that she's giving us to really kind of work through as we move through having a healthy and healthier and healthier relationship with our money as we grow personally. So this week we are focusing in on types one through five and next week we will focus on types six through nine. So we hope that you enjoy this week's episode and our conversation with Brianna Firestone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast this week. We are so excited to have our girl Brie Firestone back to the podcast. She was with us for episode 66, where we talked about money and money mindset and fear, and it was incredible. So if you haven't listened to that, it's not a prereq for today, but you definitely want to go back and listen to that, which you will anyway, after you hear what we have to say. Yep. (laughs) Um, Welcome back, Brie. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm pumped. I'm pumped too. Today we're going to dig into how our money mindset and kind of our core fear and core desire of each Enneagram type relates to money. And this is something that I have had a ton of aha moments about as I've just learned about the Enneagram and then kind of related on my own to Oh, like, you know, it just an example of an, of an Enneagram eight, like, oh, that was me using money to try and control this situation, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) Which we'll get to in a little while. We're going to start with type one today. Um, But it's been such a fun thing. And I think this is where the Enneagram really gets robust for me is, is how do we pull, you know, these descriptions that we have of ourselves, this kind of variance between health and unhealth and, the number we go to in stress versus growth and 
um, you know, basically our wings and our, and our arrows of direction and how do we kind of look at those things and really hammer down what it looks like to have a relationship with our money and a, a healthy one at that. And it turns out we probably need to be in a healthy place in our number to be in a healthy place with money. Weird. Um, <laughs> right? Weird. That's it's so weird. Good. Yeah. So yeah, this is something we've been, uh, we kind of hinted at talking about when you were on the podcast previously. And it's just kind of been this little thing in incubation for a while until we jumped into our Enia New Year. And mm-hmm. so this is the fifth episode of our Enia New Year series. And I'm just so excited that you're here, Bree. Oh, so, thank you. I'm so excited because um, when I talk about money coaching, first and foremost, I always say it has very little, you know, managing your money has very little to do with your actual money, but it has everything to do with like understanding yourself and your mm-hmm. habits and your behaviors. And so yes. I just think the Enneagram is such an amazing tool. It's so enlightening for so many individuals once they discover it to really peel back the layers for themselves. But if you keep going and what we're gonna do today, apply it to your money, it can be pretty groundbreaking because money's this you know very mysterious thing that we don't talk about and we assume it's really difficult. And so um, I'm excited because I think this is gonna be really helpful for so many of your listeners. I I feel like money is so emotional and we try as a society to be so like cold hearted about money. So like data driven and analytical and that we don't allow ourselves to even think that money is emotional. And then we wonder why we're having a meltdown about our money once or twice a month, you you know? And, And I think that there's such a power behind the recognition of self behind money. And so I'm... I'm like beyond excited to talk about this because I think it'll give power back to people that they've been missing or they didn't know that they had lost or didn't have. Mm-hmm. Totally so agree. I'm, I'm pumped. So good. I'm all about giving power back. Love me some power. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Jen, you want to you wanna take us into type one? I do. So the type one is the moral perfectionist. And they are principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. The core fear is being wrong, bad, evil, inappropriate, unredeemable, or corruptible. Uh, That just makes my heart hurt. Um, Core desire is having integrity, but being good, balanced, accurate, virtuous, and right. Core weakness is around resentment, repressing anger that leads to continual frustration and dissatisfaction with yourself, others, and the world for not being perfect. And the core longing is, quote unquote, you are good. (laughs) I, I just want to hug type, one so bad. Yes, I know. And I'm like, it was almost hard for me to read that because I'm just like, no. <laughs> oh, it's hard. Like, so hard. Like, yeah. I w- I'm, I'm excited. Like, tell me more, Brie. Yeah. So for each of the money um, or each of the the types, I'm, in, I'm going to discuss something that is called a money type. There's a really amazing book, and I will say it's great if you have a base understanding of the Enneagram already. Otherwise, it might kind of blow your top off your brain because it's pretty (laughs) in-depth. But it's called Money from Fear to Love, Using the Enneagram to Create Wealth, Prosperity, and Love. And it's by Dr. Margaret H. Smith. And I really love this because she was an economist. She worked in Wall Street and then shifted into... um, personal development and finance. And I love it because she started to see the Enneagram and the personality and how that was driving not only just our behaviors in our personal finances, but how that drives behaviors in consumerism and just the global economy. So it's like pretty, pretty bananas what she's done. And so what she did is through her research, she created these money types and applied them to each of um, the Enneagram types. So for each type, I'm going to read um, what this money type is so that individuals can better connect with it um, on the money side. So for type one, that money type is called ordering, and it might sound like this. I believe that money is meaningful up to a certain point. I need money to live, but I don't need a ton of it. I try to live within my means, not have debt, and not be overly greedy or excessive. I can become overly rigid in my beliefs and judgments about money, what is right and what is wrong, what is acceptable to have and what is not. And so really from this underlying for ordering is really about having the right amount, not having more or less. Oh, that's fascinating. I wouldn't be surprised if it also has something to do with if you do have more, you better put it to work. 
you better do something with it. Mm, yeah. Are the ones that I have in my life that are, um, they've like, they're do very something comfortable good with it. They're almost panicked about what do I do with all this money? Yes. You know, I'm like, Oh, yeah. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's a great, money. yeah, it's a great gift of one. So that like, that's one of their gifts is that they really are spending in alignment with their beliefs. Yeah. Um, you know, often these individuals are, you know, using their money to create change, to do good in the world. Um, they're always striving to do better and to evolve. Um, and so that means that they can actually, they're spending often on personal development, which is always an amazing thing. And they can create healthy boundaries around their money, which is really awesome as well. So for each type, we'll talk about gifts and challenges that might pop up and some ways that we can move through it. Um, challenges around ones and this money type of ordering is that they judge themselves for their behavior around their money. Does that sound familiar with ones that you know i don't know if i know any ones actually i do and that inner critic is loud so loud yeah yeah Yeah. a lot of shoulds a lot of shoulding going on (laughs) all or nothing and all or nothing syndrome which um and i think for some people as they listen to this a lot of our money challenges are very universal, but I think you're going to recognize if one is like resonating a little bit heavier, mm-hmm. but this all or nothing is something that we, I think, experience in many areas of our lives, especially in our money. And what it does is it it puts us in this place of not recognizing progress and we get overwhelmed. If we can't do it all, we're not going to do it at all. Mm-hmm. And for oh, our money, yeah. that can be really detrimental just to our money mm-hmm. health in general. So, well, and when um, we feel like, when I know when I feel out of control with my money, my my inclination is actually to ignore it, <laughs> which is something that ones can probably struggle with, too, because they can't they feel like they can't do it perfectly. So why, you know, what's the point? Why? Totally. Yeah. You know, kind of ruminate over it. Um, one of the things that I did in in kind of thinking about this connection between money and the Enneagram and our money mindset was ask a few of each type. Um, what some either gifts, challenges, you know, things that they do to like kind of write their mindset. And, uh, our, a fellow one who shall remain unnamed said to me, (laughs) um, I judge myself for money behaviors. I always think I'm behind where I should be and Mm -hmm. that my friends are better off and have done it right. And I haven't, I always think I should be saving more, investing better, et cetera. Honey, no, I know. (laughs) That's no, but you know, I feel, I feel a lot of that too. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's that difference with a one where they've got that really loud inner critic. That's probably constantly telling them, um, you know, that they're not quite good enough. You're good. You're good, babe. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, man, that really, we have to start to ones really have to practice compassion towards themselves. Um, when it comes to money and this is common in general where everyone wants to just you know what is everyone else doing and kind of measuring yourself up against um, what like Jenny said what you should be doing instead of what feels good to you and what feels right to you Mm -hmm. and especially for one if you can start to track and set some small goals and appreciate the progress that you made towards that goal um, that can actually get you a long way and I always want I want to give some like kind of money mantras that might be really powerful for um, for each of the types and so for um Going back to a practice, when a desire comes up to spend in order to fix things, because ones are in kind of that continuing to evolve, just take a moment and ask, is it working? Um, you know, we, we always love to fix things that aren't broken. And so that can help kind of in the spending realm in time and energy as well. But mantras for one is progress is powerful continue to tell yourself that all the time and everything is working in my favor mm. so good i'm just gonna drink those those in for a minute <laughs> i know that sounds lovely yeah oh let's talk about some type twos mm-hmm. jen this is oh, you the type two brie this trying is to you. decide if i know i'm kind of trying to decide if i'm excited or if i'm like <laughs> yeah. i feel nervous i have feelings about all of it <laughs> This might be the one day where I'm happy that the information about the eight is going to be shared at the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I'm kind of like, all right, let's do this. Okay. Mm, okay. Yeah. So the type two is the supportive advisor. They are generous, demonstrative, people pleasing, and possessive. The core fear is being rejected and unwanted, being thought worthless and needy, inconsequential, dispensable, or unworthy of love. The core desire is being appreciated, loved, and wanted. Core weakness is pride, denying your own needs and emotions while using your amazing intuition to discover and focus on the emotions and needs of others, confidently inserting your helpful support in hopes that others will say how grateful they are for your thoughtful care. The core longing is, quote, you are wanted and loved. Mm, more hugs. <laughs> I know. I just want to. So, many, so many hugs. Virtual hugs are happening. <laughs> so the money type for a two, this will not be a surprise. It's called giving. And that might sound like this. Spending is how I show my love. I hope my generosity is appreciated. I hope others will return the favors I've lavished on them by loving me back. Spending on myself feels selfish. And yes, <laughs> I full disclosure, I am a two wing three, just like Jenny. So yeah, um, we're, we're both going ha uh, at the same time. Yes. <laughs> and really underlying that giving. And these are really important to kind of understand the underlying, which, um, you know, those motivators for um, the money type giving. So number two is you want what others have, but you don't want to be selfish. So there's this feeling of envy that can pop up, which can be really painful to experience. Um, But gifts of this type are they are optimistic, they're very generous, um, and they're not afraid to use their money as a tool to help. Um, and kind of move forward. So um, that is a great gift. It can also get them in trouble. Agree, Jenny? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Christmas I've seen is hard, some guys. twos in my life do some overgiving and put themselves in a tough financial situation. Oh Especially gosh, when that... it comes to like fa- family members needing help with funds or mm-hmm. kind of bailing a close friend out of something. They'll put themselves in a bad position to help that friend and now it's like well now you need a bailout <laughs> like what totally this didn't help anybody it's, yeah it's so common to um because they're so selfless in wanting to give um that often i find twos are including myself put themselves in a financial pickle um because they've just been giving so much to others or there's this desire of like and i can relate to this holding my hand up um I want to make more money so that I can take care of the people around me. Mm-hmm. Not so and, I c- and feeling guilt around that. <laughs> yes. I have felt so much guilt around that because I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm not even, you know, when we go back to like helping somebody find their, you know, their core wants and needs and things like that. I'm constantly trying to ignore that side of me because I'm like, well, I'm not anywhere in that equation and that I should be wrong. Mm because I I don't think about myself enough and so I'm constantly having this guilt over wanting to give more and be that for my family and you know and and feeling like oh maybe I shouldn't be doing that and you know again I'm shooting on myself but it's it's such a thing for me because like when I want to pay for something that's kind of expensive but isn't really a quote-unquote need Mm -hmm. for my family I'm constantly second-guessing myself Mm -hmm. yeah like ballet lessons those are expensive (laughs) like taekwondo that's expensive but it it's i know how invaluable it is i feel like i'm almost like jumping off a cliff of like hey i'm just gonna do this like i know i could probably spend the money other ways but i know this is really valuable for them but it's this constant battle in my head of like am i over spending for somebody else you know what I'm saying? Mm, totally. Well, there is this attachment that can be placed between the actual price of something and the value it's bringing. Um, mm. When in reality, you know, you know this as parents, when your child gives you something that they drew that costs zero dollars, that is more <laughs> valuable to you than if they bought you a candle. It means the world, right? So I probably have stacks. Right? <laughs> stacks. Like Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, challenges we've kind of talked about is just overgiving and having guilt when they're not doing that. And what happens, um, you know, especially is that we're just not able to put boundaries around what that is because the guilt is so heavy um, that we assume if I don't spend $100 on this gift, that person's not going to love me back. 
sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I worked through the specifics of that a while ago, but it it took me a solid 10 years to disconnect that I that's just not how it is, Jen. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of the practices that um, a two can do when they're in that money type of giving is um, when you are going to purchase something, especially if it is for someone else, to just touch base with yourself and ask if your needs have been taken care of. Because it is not natural for us to ask ourselves that. We put everyone else ahead and then we feel resentment for it when we get burnout or later down the road. Um, So that's number one, just asking if you've put your needs first. And when it comes to gift giving or doing things, I always like to coach, even if you're not a two, to put an intention behind the gift because when we put an intention behind the gift of like what do I want to say or how do I want this person to feel it separates the money or the cost of the gift and allows Mm -hmm. us to kind of use that intention to drive um, what we're doing our actions what we're buying instead of saying like I'm going to spend $200 because that $200 will show this person I really love them Mm -hmm. yeah I love that (laughs) so much intention yeah And Cassie, you asked it too. You got some feedback from it too as well. Yeah. So basically the fellow two um, basically said to me that she was really learning to spend more freely and be generous with herself and not just other people. So it was that check-in that you mentioned. And, you know, when she's going to make a purchase, it's that thought, am I I taking care of my own, own needs? But now she's in a financial position where there's a little bit more abundance. And now she's asking herself, like, am I taking care of my own wants? Um, which I love that kind of, this is sounding familiar. Yeah. That next step. (laughs) That was not me. I think, you know, I think this is probably a conversation that a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of mothers can relate to the two type and a lot of mothers mistype as a two because that's a role that they have, mm-hmm. um, you know, being that caregiver. And, you know, I think it's really important. You know, I'm, I, I want to advocate for twos so badly. I'm, yeah, you need to be generous with yourself um, and put your needs right up there with the needs of other people and your wants with the wants of other people that you, you know, you spend your time and energy and money on too. So, yeah. Yeah. One of um, the best mantras that I can think of for a two, because I'm constantly telling this to myself, is I am worthy of all that I desire. Mm-hmm. It's just a way to like put yourself first, and it's okay to want things and desire things. I think that's also one of the rubs that happens with the number two of like, oh, I feel bad for wanting these things when mm-hmm. everyone else around you is <laughs> not feeling bad about it. <laughs> Boy, that one hits home. And it's like, the thing is, is I know that I know my self-worth, but that it's okay to desire things. Yeah, totally. Totally. We were just talking about this, Jen, (laughs) in relation to getting yourself something that you need for life and business and, um, you know, without risk of, of being too personal. It's something that, you know, I always see you kind of coming to this place where you, you're like kind of saying you want something and then almost immediately apologizing for even wanting it in the same breath. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, no, you want that. Stop you need it. that. You do need that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it's, I would also just, say yeah. like, you know, total side note, there's more, more mantras to, to share here. But I think a really helpful thing also for a two, as far as mindset goes, is to just running, running past wants, you know, toward your friends and family mm-hmm. who love you and see you. Because that's something where you might even look at it as a quote unquote want, but it actually is a need. And that's something I see too, where that kind of that jump is easily like, oh, no, 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 this is just a want. And it's become a need because it was a want for so long. And now it's like in that category, if that makes any sense. So, oh, yeah, this this actually was very true for me for my studio that lives in my garage now. I was filming in my bedroom. And I was having to put the lights up and down and put them away and stuff them in a corner and pull them out and put them away. And it was a lot of work and it was in the way, but I didn't see any other options. And my husband was just like, no, you need a designated space. And he kind of took it upon himself to just create the space in the garage with, you know, some greenhouse plastic. And 
you know, he took the time and the money and the effort to make it happen because I was like, I just need a designated space where I don't have to put things up and down. I just, I don't know how to make that happen. And I knew it was going to take time and money that I just didn't know where it was going to come from. And he was just like, I got it. It's fine. I got it. Yeah. It's <laughs> hard to receive. That, it, yes. It, yes. Yeah. I know. And I felt like I've for probably, I've had it for two years now. And I think I've apologized way too many times because <laughs> I'm taking up a third of the garage. And I'm just like, I know that that's his space. And he's just like, stop. I'm like, okay, I'm done. No, okay. it's not his space. It's your space. <laughs> it's <laughs> out <what> is. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Okay, but more, did, to be fair, like I also have taken over the whole house. Like he has no like does he has no like man cave. He has no something or other, and that was his space. And he was basically like, "No, you need this," and was just like, "You're gonna have it here." And I just kind of uncomfortably said, "Okay," <laughs> but I'm so glad that I was able to voice that because back to what you were saying is voicing it can be so important for twos because we we live so much in our head with those things and we push it so far behind that when somebody asks what our wants are, are, we don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's like, how can I help? I'm like, "Uh, uh." yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No, I got it. How can I help you? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. (laughs) If I had a nickel, if I had a nickel, I'd be really wealthy right now. Do you know how many times I have had to divert Jen when I'm like, hey, how can I help with this? And she's like, oh, how can I help you? And I'm like, no, no, that's not what I asked you. Bring bring it back, Jen. Bring it back. Oh, Oh, I keep using you as an example because I only have two twos that I know. Yeah, that's okay. I I was expecting it. Well, Bree's here, too, so I've got more now. Yeah, I'm here. Mm -hmm. So what are some other mantras for a two? Um, I, yes. And these are general. So when I say these mantras, gosh, you can use these for everything, but, um, money comes easily to me is another mantra. Um, I am loved. I think we could tack something onto that to say, I am loved regardless of how much I give. Mm, So good. Or how much money I make. (laughs) There is. Well, that is, I think that's on a, I think that's on type three, but it is, um, I am a wing three. Yeah. I was going to say that's the three in. Yeah. My well, self worth is not attached to my net worth. Ooh. Ooh, well, let, let me lead into that. Let's yeah. talk about the type three then, because this one is also a strong wing for me. Like, I really was like not sure where I landed there, but <laughs> mm-hmm. definitely two, three. But the type three is the successful achiever. They are adaptable, excelling, driven, and image conscious. The core fear is being exposed as or thought incompetent, inefficient, or worthless failing to be or appear successful core Mm -hmm. desire is having high status and respect being admired successful and valuable core weakness is deceit Mm -hmm. deceiving yourself into believing that you are the only image you present to others embellishing the truth by putting on a polished persona for everyone including yourself to see and admire core longing is quote you are loved for simply being you I am for this one. I cringed at this one too. I'm like, hi ya. <laughs> I am also a strong three, uh, mm-hmm. strong wing three. So um, this money type is striving. You're going to recognize that these money types are really kind of in with like the desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, this is what that sounds like. Money validates me. I want to make a lot of it and use it in a way that displays my success. My ambitions around money are unfettered. I invest in myself and my personal development so that I can be more successful and I put forth great effort for the sake of money. And the underlying of striving is that deep anxiety that you lack value, which is totally around that core fear. This resonates. Yeah. I have a decent amount of threes in my life too. I know. So. I want to hug them all. <laughs> Well, it's interesting to think, you know, when I think about my story, which I talk about in the first episode around just how I was spending and and what that looked like when I start to feel um, an urge to like kick into some of those old habits. It's so much easier for me to see where that's coming from. Either I'm in like a place of like a three or I'm in stress mode and it's presenting as like more of an eight tendency. So it's just Mm -hmm. whoo. Shopping all day long, trying to look good and working for a PR firm in New York City did not, not help. help that. Right. It was just like, <laughs> you need to not. look the part. So just like fed my three beast, <laughs> my personality. Yeah, I that. <laughs> Whenever I worked in a job where like how I looked mattered, 
oh, I, it's so much justification going on. Yeah. Oy. Yeah. And there are great things about threes. And one of those is they're very driven by goals, which means, you know, getting a budget and setting goals and achieving them. It's it can be very easy for a three to do that if they if they have the right goals. Mm -hmm. Um, Challenges are definitely the keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing where you are trying to either keep up with your friends or your industry or buying things that are just really out of your price zone for your financial health and just using that money as a way to present when in reality it's kind of like you know think of Instagram you're presenting like you're making millions of dollars on Instagram when you're just like loaded in debt and are living paycheck to paycheck in your real life that's it's that's a three (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, the second half of that sentence is yeah Uh. Yeah. Subscribing to the belief that hard work is the only way to success. Mm. Honestly, truthfully, I read that sentence and I was like, okay, I just need somebody to tell me that there's another way and then I'll feel better about that sentence. Because <laughs> all I want to think is, is like, yeah, that's what hard work equals, doesn't it? No, that's not true. But that's where my brain goes. Yeah. And when it comes to money, that is a tendency for us to make things harder. You know, it's like hard for money to be easy for us because it's like, well, that's too easy. I didn't earn it. Or, you know, what's going on here when in reality, money can flow to you really easily. So I think for three, sometimes we can put up this block of like not being able to receive. That's another like twos and threes, not being able to receive because we didn't work hard enough for it. Mm -hmm. I also have seen a lot of threes in my life be really dedicated to a financial goal. So maybe they're paying off debt or they're building up you know, a nest egg for a house or whatever it is. And they get really single minded and focus in on that and then actually have a really hard time maintaining like a healthy balance and actually maintaining their own physical and mental health in the process too. Real tunnel so, vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally resonate with that too, with like the intensity piece from an eights perspective. And so that's something that, um, I've talked to a few friends about in kind of relation to, and you know, that kind of bridges over to entrepreneurship as well. You know, it's not just in, you know, finding a financial goal. It's like really any goal can kind of keep you from taking care of yourself. And sometimes that doesn't mean, you know, maybe you're still extremely fit, but there's not a lot of balance in, you know, taking care and and resting or finding balance and self-worth and whatever that looks like for you. So Yeah, I would say that, um, and that's one of the practices, is just to check in with your goals every once in a while to make sure, and I I usually say every 90 days, to make sure they're still serving you or that you're actually enjoying the ride. And I'm raising my hand that I can get so focused on the end goal and hitting the goal that I put my little horsey blinders on and I I don't remember any any of the ride or the scenery getting there. Mm -hmm. I just was like, you know, pushing everyone over in order to hit the goal. And so to check in on those goals and to ask if they're serving you and to allow yourself some grace and spaciousness, because it is a learned behavior to, um, I like to say it's like we're addicted to the struggle. We get addicted to things being hard or having to work hard. And so it's really- Yeah, the hustle, the struggle. Yeah, so it's really foreign for us to sit back and say, how do I make this easy? What a concept. <laughs> what a concept. Really? I mean, yeah. I've I've built a life on making taking the difficult road in a lot of ways. I really yeah. I very much so relate to threes. Yeah. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> I thought I was a three when I first read the descriptions. I like kinda wanted to be a two, but then the I was like, Oh, it's adjacent to a three and I'm a lot more driven than that and then I just read the eight description and I was like, Nope, that's me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So what are some mindful um, practices and kind of advice for threes that we can offer up? So definitely checking in on those money goals just to make sure that you're, you know, enjoying the ride because for threes, we can get so obsessed with it, even if it's not serving us anymore. So like you said, you know, kind of wearing ourselves down in order to hit that thing. Um, We really have to start being mindful around um, you're not rich because of how hard you work, but you're you're wealthy and that money comes to you because of the value that you bring to the table. So um, that is one of the the 
core beliefs is that there's a lack or we're not worthy of the thing that we're doing Mm -hmm. and ignore labels. So when we do have a tendency to kind of shop or do that thing, um, just if we can pull in a little bit of mindfulness and this is in spending in general, and instead of focusing on the label or how much it costs, paying attention to the thing, how does it make me feel? How do I feel in it? Like I'm talking more like clothes, stuff like that. It kind of shifts your focus a little bit more towards the intention and putting, putting, um, putting it back on you instead of how is someone going to perceive this? So it's like, I feel good in this, regardless if someone thinks that looks good or not. Did that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. I have a friend who's a three and she said very matter of factly, by the way, she said, grow your empathy and watch out for pride. Sometimes mm-hmm. others know better than you do about money. <laughs> Um, And that's one thing, you know, she just kind (laughs) of mentioned in an ad lib that she had struggled with having a good relationship with money because she was almost unwilling to take the advice of quote unquote experts because she knew better Um, Mm -hmm. because she had achieved quite a bit in that category. And so, you know, for her, there there was an abundance and, and some place to, you know, move toward investment, but she wasn't being smart with her money because she would not listen. Yeah. So I thought that was a really interesting point from a fellow three and I can also really relate to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can too that's oh, why yes. I was $30,000 in credit card debt <clears throat> oh my gosh mm-hmm. rough really rough so what are some uh, money mantras for uh, Enneagram three yeah so first one is money comes easy to me because we have to start to detach that I have to work hard in order to bring abundance into my life. And again, these mantras, anyone can say them. Um, the other one, which I kind of mentioned, is my self-worth is not connected to my net worth. Ooh. So that's a big one, especially when threes are just putting out this like money goal because that money goals means they're successful mm-hmm. regardless of what they're doing. It can sometimes be at the detriment of being out of alignment in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So you're so focused on hitting the goal that then you wake up and all of a sudden you had this career that is like kind of took took you down a left turn that feels so out of alignment with with your life and who you like where you kind of innately feel like you should be because you just put your blinders on um and the universe supports me and that's just kind of a general good one um that i think is super helpful for any type to be saying yeah there's a higher power that's Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. supporting Mm -hmm. all right and i i think i'm I'm excited to hear a little bit about the type four. We're going to roll into that one. The type four is the romantic individualist. They are expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. Their core fear is being inadequate, emotionally cut off, plain, mundane, defective, flawed, or insignificant. Their core desire is being unique, special, and authentic. Core weakness is envy, feeling that you're tragically flawed, something foundational is missing inside you, and others possess, possess qualities you lack. The core longing is, quote, you are seen and loved for exactly who you are, special and unique. Mm. I have fours in my life that I absolutely love, and I'm just like, I just want to hug them. I'm like, "Uh, no, you are loved. You really are. You're loved exactly how you are. Gosh, there's some themes here. I don't know if we're hearing them or not, but a lot of hugs and a lot of just like you are loved. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of self-compassion. Yeah, Uh. yeah. Um, The money type for four is personalizing, and you can kind of hear that a little bit um, as as a four wanting to be an individualist. And so it might sound like this. Money is rather mundane and doesn't have much to do with who I am. I don't want to be bothered by things that are not personally meaningful to me. I am an exception to the rule and cannot be bound by ordinary constraints. I am reluctant to put forth great effort for the sake of money because I don't believe that money is intrinsically meaningful or can fill me up. And That's fascinating. Yes. And so underlying that personalizing money type is feeling that you lack something that would enable you to enjoy life fully. So kind of like there's always this little hole that's missing that you're um, you're seeking. So, Oh, that's fascinating. I, I think that the interesting part about that is, you know, reluctance. I can sense like in that, those sentences that it's just such a like, yeah, reluctance. I can't think of a better word for it. You know, I think that could be seen in all different ways in fours is there's this reluctance or that to look at, 
at it or to acknowledge its presence or its importance or yeah that's fascinating the the fours that i work with um on my beauty counter team have they don't have a lot of motivation when it comes to just the simple like desire of making more money unless that money has a very unique personalized purpose already attached to it um Mm. or if that money is kind of representing autonomy for them and they've found that space where it feels like they have more autonomy to create because of that that space that they're creating with finances so it's been really interesting you know just to think about what motivates people kind of in conjunction with this and one of the gifts that i've seen in um in my friend who's a four is like she really tends to think out of the box and and then i got this quote from another friend who's also a four and she said the same thing basically she said as a four i tend to think out of the box by default and this is incredibly helpful in business and money my creative boldness has lent itself well to boldness and risk-taking in business which leads to success in finances and so I, and I've seen this really like firsthand, like I, those, those very few fours that I have in my life that I do life and business with have been able to take kind of bigger risks and be able to see, like, I'm going to be able to creatively get there. You know, they're setting larger, bigger goals for themselves because they know maybe not, no one's going to tell them how to get there. They're mm-hmm. going to tell themselves how to get there. Um, yeah. and they do it beautifully. I mean, yeah. it's impressive. It's a incredible resourcefulness. Yes. I was just going to say really creative problem solving mm-hmm. with money I've seen in my fours. Yep. Yeah. Which is super helpful. And, you know, we're, as we're going through these, you can hear the gifts are also, um, can probably be the challenge. And so, um, this constant need of, of wanting things to be interesting or unique can often mean, um, for sometimes at fours, it's hard to kind of stick to things that have already been like, this is how you do a budget or you should be doing this thing. Um, this is how you manage your money. Cause it just feels pretty mundane. And mm-hmm. if you think you're a unique unicorn, you're like, well, that's not going to work for me. Cause I'm just so different. <laughs> right. It doesn't apply. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't apply. apply. And in that, when it comes to spending, what can happen sometimes is in that, um, that, seeking, you know, when we're talking about that underlying driver of just like, you know, I'm trying to find that missing piece, um, kind of creatively going through their lives is, um, boredom can also be a trigger when things get too mundane or too, um, normalized, or you feel bored, it can often trigger this, like, I got to mix it up, whether that is like going shopping or buying or like, you know, shifting some things just because it, things need to be different. So the routine mm-hmm. can feel stifling stifling the routine can put them in the box when they are so desperately trying to stay out of the box mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. think of an animal like i don't know is there like a chicken or something you're pulling it out of a box that it's like trying to stay in that yeah. was so weird i don't know where that came from i grew up on a cats? farm a cat <laughs> I want to get in the box, but then, so they then they're out. like, get me out of the box. Yeah. So I, you know, I think there's a lot to be said too about forced kind of seeking and finding identity in routine. And once they find identity in the routine, there won't be, it won't be broken and they won't feel that boredom or kind of yeah. FOMO that can kind of crop up by subscribing to, you know, like the quote unquote status quo of whatever it mm-hmm. is. And so when you have your identity wrapped up in it as a four, that's where I've seen people be able to be like incredibly productive and mindful around their money. And it's been really amazing. Our friend Heather, who's been on the podcast um, before has done some education um, from her platform of cash flowing life. And Mm -hmm. so she's, and she's a four and she is a really savvy, smart business person and has been super creative. And it's been really interesting to see how she kind of attaches identity to that. And Mm. when she did, it was like financial wellness boss. And then she got to go teach other people how to do that. So I love that. Yeah. So some of those mindfulness practices is exactly that is thinking of how do we leverage that creativity that just comes so naturally for a four in a way that helps them manage their money really well. And so and also leveraging that resourcefulness. So one thing that you can always ask yourself as you're um, 
whether it's a financial challenge or you're trying to save for retirement or um, you want to buy a new house, whatever it is, is to ask yourself, how can this work for me or how can I get to this? Because that will trigger that creative side of your brain to really start thinking through all the different avenues. And fours will think in very different avenues beyond just kind of like the normal checklist of things. And that's that's a really awesome value. Another thing is to be creative when you're buying something to say, um, do I do I already have this or can I borrow this? So starting to be creative about finding a solution instead of that solution always being, I'm gonna buy something. So for an example is, you know, I tell this to a lot of my students, if you see an awesome outfit that you love, be creative and say, do, can I recreate that out of things that I have in my closet? And how can I create five new outfits this week with something I have in my closet? And just really start to use that creativity to use what you have. That can be really huge um, mm. for a four. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Okay, some mantras for a four. Um, I have everything I need. Ooh, that will be very good for a four. Um, the other one is abundance is all around me. So again, that's a really good general one. And nothing is missing in me. Oh, nothing all right, is with fours, missing in you. <laughs> I, I got to give some advice to fours because my mom's a four. Mm. And she's like, mantras don't work for me. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that fours will look at mantras and be like, because they're so good at seeing the reality of they're okay with, I suck at money. And they're just like, I do. I just suck at money. They're okay and, with yeah. you know discomfort and melancholy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I challenge fours a little bit in the situation to really take this. And if the mantra doesn't fit you right, then make a mantra that does fit you that allows for growth mm-hmm. there. Because like, I don't think like abundance cards would work or like um, mantra cards yeah. would work. Affirmations yeah. would work for my mom. But if she was if she spun it a little bit that made it fit her then she's like the post-it note queen like she will post it note something and slap her in the middle and she'll keep that there and then change it as needed but it has to fit her just yeah. right that's such a good note um and also just for anyone to understand that our brains will believe anything we tell it so and so true. that internal dialogue is really really important um, you know, so especially true. if a four is like, okay, being uncomfortable and being melancholy, that can often lead to self-soothing by way of spending money and emotional spending. And so um, for anything, I know, I know I get a lot of pushback sometimes from students and I'm like, well, your brain is going to believe what you tell it. So let's, let's take a look at that dialogue that you have right now, because if you're unhappy with how your money is right now and you don't take ownership over what you're telling yourself about your money, you will never solve the money problem. It won't change. <laughs> we did a neuroplasticity episode. Oh, what, so correct? good. Yes. It was so good. And it was change your mind to change your brain to change your mind. Mm. <laughs> it, that's a real thing. It's a you real know, thing. neuroplasticity. I, yeah. I am one of these people who's like, that's bullshit. Like, why would you say words <laughs> to yourself? I don't believe that now, but that was how everything started for me until I did it. And then it worked. <laughs> I was like, Oh, oh, okay. This works. <laughs> I guess I can like be a mantra person, like yeah. reluctantly, right? <laughs> so I'm with you fours if you want to reluctantly be a mantra person. I'm like, that's not practical. Come on. Or so, call oh it gosh, something okay. else. It doesn't have to be a mantra. Sure. Like, you know, yeah. my post-it yeah. note message, whatever works I, for like, you. <laughs> I, kinda, I, I label it like my intention or my kind of purpose throughout the year. Um, and then I feel a lot more like passion and drive and um, attachment to it when I yeah. call it not a mantra feels like flighty and like flouncy to me. <laughs> so I get my mom's I get whole that. thing was is brain doesn't get to tell me what to do. Like I tell my brain what to do. And I was like, you go mom. Like <laughs> truth, but tell it the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so, right <laughs> so true. So true. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. So type five is the investigative investigative thinker um they are perceptive innovative secretive and isolated i can see how money would be tough Mm. here and i resonate because i go to five and stress let's talk about money and stress um the core fear of a five is being annihilated invaded or not existing 
and being thought of incapable or ignorant and having obligations placed on them or their energy being depleted. Their core desire is being capable and competent and their core weakness is avarice. So feeling that they lack inner resources and that too much interaction with others will lead to a catastrophic depletion and withholding um, themselves from contact from the world. And they really hold on to their resources and minimize their needs. And the core longing of a five is your needs are not a problem. Mm. My husband's a five. (laughs) If y'all haven't been listening, my husband's a five. I'm like, I'm listening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is interesting because, so this money type is very different from some of the others that we heard and it's called minimizing. And that sounds like this. I minimize my need for money. I need very little money to survive. By minimizing my needs, I can remain detached and safe. I am reluctant to put forth great effort for the sake of money. I value money mainly for the self-sufficiency it brings me. And (laughs) (laughs) underlying minimizing is that deep desire to have what you want, but you refuse to expose yourself to this vulnerability. So getting into that core desire of like, I want to be capable and competent. So I don't want to show that I like have needs or wants underneath. Whew. <laughs> I'm like, I might keep it in Jen. Let her finish her sentence. Oh my gosh. It's, I mean, honestly, I feel like money because I'm a two, my husband's a five between the two of us. Honestly, that's the thing we argue. The only thing that we argue about oh, really anymore marriage. is marriage. Yeah. I'm like, true, you wouldn't true. be alone. No, I, right, I, I know. I totally get that. Specific. <laughs> Right. But that's actually why this is so interesting to me is that we've spent the 14 years of our marriage so far trying to figure this side out mm-hmm. about each mm-hmm. other and like have that that compassion and understanding around needs and desires. And and so I'm like, I'm ready to take this information in. I'm yeah. Like, yes. I'm guessing it's probably him being in the space of like a more um, reserved and conservative and you being 100%. in the space of like wanting to put more money yeah. out for whatever reason. Yeah. It's really interesting having kids. Oh, for sure. That space. <laughs> <laughs> they, Jen, they don't need that. I'm like, what do you mean they don't need that? Yes, they need that. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it's like a, it is a gift of fives because they're super observant. They're great at finding deals. Um, you know, they spending within their means is easy because they're not they don't think of all of these trends they're not swayed by all of those things. So um, for a lot of individuals, that's what they're seeking. They would love to be able to feel that way about money and just be completely detached from it. Um, the challenge around that is that there could be potential that they actually um, underspend or aren't moving their money in a way that could work for them because maybe it seems a little bit riskier and they're in this place of like, I need security, less risk. I don't need a lot of things, so why do I need to move money or do those? Like, you know, push mm-hmm. money in this way. Um, did that, is that, is that um, right resonating? <laughs> yeah, yep. and I think right really, on the money. Like, it's amazing how different we are with money. I think <laughs> like, also um, really avoiding the feeling of incompetence when it comes to like those upper echelon money moves that you can make, like retirement or investing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that don't have to be upper echelon moves, right? You've taught a lot about that, Brie. Like that's just smart basics. Right? Yes. <laughs> Taking yeah. care of yourself and your money. So yeah. I, yeah, I think the very few fives that I know are either incredibly competent about investing in retirement or they're not. And they just really avoid it completely because they don't know as much as they feel like they should. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that it's kind of, it can be a lack or scarcity mindset, you know, and, and the reality is that having that space and and being too afraid to make some money moves, um, is hurting in the long run because Mm -hmm. you could have, you know, example of like, I'm just going to keep my money in a money market account because it feels safer instead of putting it into the stock market or into my retirement. When in the reality is it matters where you put that money and one is not going to make as much as the other. Mm -hmm. And so for the immediate safety, the immediate security it brings, it can be at a detriment of future security and safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
that's just risk aversion in general is something for that for sure for yeah. sure and i see that sentence in there about communicating with their partner about money can be a struggle yeah. that was basically where we spent our 14 years of marriage is making sure that we're communicating really regularly yeah. and when we fall out of that communication on a regular basis i mean there are times where sometimes we're texting or talking on the phone like almost every day about a purchase or what's coming or and that has just been so key in my husband feeling secure and competent around what's happening with the money, mm-hmm. you know? And it's been, it's been interesting because for the longest time I was just like, why do I, why do I have to do this? Like, why do I have to talk to you every two <laughs> seconds about it? But then I realized it has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with him putting things on me. It has to do with just him feeling like he's got all the data figured out in yes. his head, mm-hmm. you know? I can relate to that as also being a numbers person, right? But mm-hmm. it, it's so enlightening. I love to hear you say that because it's so enlightening when you understand um, where your partner's coming from because that just means you know how to position your conversation, not in a manipulative way, but in a way that that person can actually hear what you're saying. And or so, in my case, a non-emotional way. And <laughs> yeah. man, twos are not good at criticism and man, money and criticism. Okay. <laughs> I had... I had to really get to that place of like, okay, he is not criticizing me. This is not a criticism. This is literally data. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, does that relate to fives that you know or that you t- talk to? Yeah, it relates to me too. Like, this is the funny <laughs> thing. I, I mean, so fives, eights move to five in stress. Mm-hmm. And this is something where that lack of abundance mindset it really sinks in for me. And when we don't have a lot of disposable income, I tend to be a little bit more like secretive around it and not, you know, not keeping anything from my husband, but definitely like just not talking about it as much. And when we have a lot of it, then I'm like, let's talk about it all the time. It's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so I find that when I'm in that stress place, my, my, you know, relationship with money really changes based on how much of it I have. And that's a Mm. shift that I see really needing to make for myself personally, um, where I kind of dip into that five and, and, you know, one of the mindful practices that, that you brought to the table here was, you know, when you spend money, tell yourself there's more where that came from. That's an exercise that I actually have to do. Um, yeah. and remind myself of my resourcefulness and capability to make money at the drop of a hat. And I, that's also a mantra that I have. Like mm-hmm. if I need money, I can, I can get it. Um, yeah. and so that's been something that I think within the space of a five, I definitely, I, I, I'm not in super close relationship with very many fives, which I find really interesting. Um, but I really resonate to those kind of, um, challenges of the mm. five when it comes to money for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's common for a lot of individuals to not trust that money is going to come back. I mean, that's, I love that you're using those, you know, those, that thought process to say, I know how to make money. I can make money when I need it because we forget that in those moments of stress where we're like the bank account doesn't look the way we want it to look. And the reality is that money as a thing, as an energetic thing is meant to be circulated. Mm hmm. It is meant to be circulated. So sometimes when I have students who are in that space or they're feeling like, ugh, like I, I can't let go, sometimes my um, recommendation for them is like, I want you to go donate $5 somewhere. I want you to go mm. push some money out into circulation so that you can trust, like you, a little bit, right? I'm not going to go say, you know, go blow $500 on something, but but place your money somewhere so it's doing good so it's out in circulation so that you can just get into the practice of like feeling what that feels like mm-hmm. um, which can be very foreign for someone who's like we don't have the money i can't let go of it when actually sometimes the action is to do the opposite <laughs> sounds counterintuitive oh, interesting yeah yeah so a mantra a good one for fives is money is a boomerang it always comes back to me because immediately you think of a boomerang and you see it leaving and coming back it's just a really great visual for um, a lot of individuals another one is i am open to receive infinite abundance Mm. and i am seeing that the word open is in there i'm open to receiving and i am safe to use my money oh okay 
Okay. I'll kill that one. <laughs> okay. okay. I can? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what? Oh. Yeah, I feel mm-hmm. I, yeah, I feel that. Um, that safety is a huge from a, a person who likes a lot of control. <laughs> so there's that piece of it. Yeah. Um, and I forgot to mention the, the quote that I have, um, the contribution that I have from a fellow five was, I have worked really hard to nurture an intimate relationship with myself and allow money to be part of that nurturing. That's how I've gained a tiny bit of equilibrium inside to take risks and put myself out there. And I just thought that oh, was so powerful. I feel like a yeah. lot of people who I pulled <laughs> information from, they're all extremely healthy in their number. And it's really neat to see that kind of evolution and, and how they feel about it. So I love that they talked about the equilibrium mm-hmm. of risk for the sake of self-nurturing. Mm-hmm. And because I know I know that's a lot how fives feel of a lot of things that just putting anything, whether it's like money in circulation or themselves in a relationship or a job, it can feel very risk oriented. Mm-hmm. And so calling that the equilibrium of um, self what do they call it an intimate relationship mm-hmm. with money that they put the risk out there of like putting themselves out there and just that's so that's so powerful like you were saying yeah, yeah. I mean it requires a five to trust themselves mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. know that they have everything they need in order to mm-hmm. bring in money and mm-hmm. if we could all feel that way right that's a challenge for a lot of individuals but especially from that five to say allow money to be part of nurturing just like you know Mm -hmm. to say I'm open to receive abundance so it's definitely like opening the doors and being okay with that being in the mix of things Mm. yeah wow so good I am safe to use my money I'm like I have to say that to myself a little bit (laughs) (laughs) we'll get to that So Brie, tell us what you have coming up. I know you have a couple mm-hmm. of launches coming up and you're going to be opening up your course again and yeah. some words about a, a retreat situation. So oh, yeah. Can you share so, about that yet? Uh, yeah, we can share it. So my main course, Fierce Finances, that will be, I open doors probably every couple of months. So the next session is going to be in March and that is my eight week group coaching. It's got some one-to-one time with me. And really that is, we're going to take your finances from hot mess to feeling like really good. So we're going to eliminate that money stress, help you pay off debt and really help you move your money in a way that works for you. And it's my biggest course, my most successful course, and my ladies have so much um, progress when they do it. So that is coming up. Um, And I have a a retreat, the tropical retreat. I got real creative on that name. And um, that is going to be May 4th through May 9th. Um, in St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. And I'm very excited because, especially for um, your women uh, or listeners who just need that space, it's really hard to find space in your in your day in your life to, um, to be able to think, to find clarity about what you need, what you're desiring, what goals do you want to go for. And so that's really what this retreat is all about. And I'm so excited because we're going to have my good friend Tandy from Unicorn Wellness who'll be doing our daily meditation. We'll be doing daily movement with like Matt Pilates and yoga. And we are working really around doing some high self, low self mapping. So really Mm. starting to peel back the layers of who you are. We're going to be doing an Enneagram workshop so that you can really dive in. I know, dive in and actually understand. You need to it. go to St. Thomas with our girls. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we're going to amazing. We're going to use that info so that we can actually create goals mm. um, and know yourself so that we can actually create a plan that's really in alignment with your strengths um, and using your money, time and energy to get there. And so I am pumped about this as of this um, recording. I have six spots open for that and you can find I'll give you the link. You can find info on that and um We're also going to do a download from this episode so that we can outline all of the different types, your Enneagram type, what your money type is, and you can also see the mantra. So really just a quick checklist. That's going to be really helpful when you're looking at, you know, where you go in stress, where you go in growth, and so that you can start to have some of the tools that can move you forward as you dive deeper into your Enneagram and your money. 
Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh, okay, so we I'm going to print that off and put it on my wall. Yes, we will share that information with you guys in the show notes. And then just in general, Brie, where can everybody find you? I am mostly on Instagram. That's where I play the most. Um, you can find me at the School of Betty. And my website is theschoolofbetty.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. We Thanks. so appreciate it. This was like one of those days of my dreams. <laughs> as far as conversations go <laughs> i love being challenged in a podcast recording where to like grow personally like literally during the course of the episode <laughs> it's an act in vulnerability people it's good for me um yes. but Thanks yeah for having just, me. this is such an incredibly valuable conversation and i feel like we really just scratched the surface everybody make sure you go check out what brie is doing she is um from my perspective like just such a big breath of fresh air in this um, kind of finance and money education community and uh, really if you're looking for an approach that really takes into account um, self-love self-compassion alignment um, and really being one with self and goals when it comes to looking at your money I think um, she's the girl for you so we're so excited Thank you, to check out her stuff you guys thanks for joining us today on this episode of rebel heart radio you can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We'd love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.